0: What is going on, Breakthrough Success listeners? Mark Bertie here, and in this episode, we are going to talk about what it takes to leave a high-paying job and build a business from nothing. That is exactly what our guest did on his journey to building up Avil, which is an all-in-one software solution designed for do-it-yourself landlords. And it's used by over 600,000 landlords and tenants across the United States. So our guest who joins us is none other than Ryan Kuhn. Ryan, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks
1: so much for having me, Mark. Really excited to be talking with you.
0: It is a pleasure to have you on Bright Through Success and on that entrepreneurial journey. A lot of people, they get the entrepreneurial itch when they are in that nine to five. So I'm wondering if you could share with us, how did you get your calling to be an entrepreneur and not let the job say, well, I have this good idea, but it's too late for me now?
1: Yeah, of course. So my journey, I grew up in a family of small businesses, small business owners. So I was exposed to the ups and downs of entrepreneurship from a really young age, Uh, studied accounting and finance in school. And then right after finishing college, knew that I wanted to go and spend a couple of years in big corporate America. So I did the investment banking thing. I spent about four years working for a large investment bank, working on these mergers and acquisitions of big companies but then eventually started realizing you know what i'm no longer learning and i'm no longer being challenged and for me personally that was the the aha like it's time to move on time to go do something on my own
0: and there is always this need to challenge yourself and some people they use that as inspiration to get out of their job, pursue entrepreneurship. Other people, they just use it to like strengthen in a hobby. So this idea of, I want to challenge myself, how did that end up to you leaving the job instead of just, let me just pursue this new thing on the side and try and be really good at that?
1: Yeah, for sure. So for me personally, I had also been doing things on the side, I had become a part-time landlord myself. So in addition to juggling the crazy hours of investment banking, working 80, 90, 100 hours a week, I had also invested in properties. And what I eventually started spending more and more time realizing is that the way that I was managing my rental units on the side was inefficient. I started talking with a lot of friends and family who were also doing that they were busy business owners, they were entrepreneurs, they were doctors, they were bankers, they were software engineers, and they had properties on the side. And we were all managing our properties in the same way. And that was with spreadsheets, pen and paper, paper checks, smoke signals, text messages, like you name it. And I eventually started becoming obsessed with this idea that eventually became a veil. And that's really the that independent landlords and their renters deserve a better way to manage the rental properties, to live in the rental properties, to really digitize this entire experience. And so that's what led me to ultimately make the leap and say, hey, I'm going to leave this high paying job. I'm going to spend a couple of years actually learning Ruby on Rails. So learning software engineering in order to launch this company that I've been building for the last five and a half years.
0: And it's really interesting hearing stocks versus real estate. One of the things with real estate is that that thing does turn into a business. Like you, it's really hard to turn real estate into passive, especially in the beginning where like you got some tenant issues and all of a sudden you got to go to the property every single day. So, real estate is a great investment vehicle, but that is something to think about. And for Ryan, that turned into a veil, which he decided, I have this problem that I'm dealing with. I want to solve this problem for myself and in the process, help other people solve the same problem because it's a common issue. For Vale, I mentioned earlier, you have over 600,000 landlords that are using the software. I'm wondering how did you build up to that number? What were some of the big like, momentum movers?
1: Yeah. So for us, it's about 600,000 landlords and renters. So both the, the landlord and the renters who are living in the properties are part of the Avail community. Um, along the way, there's been lots of blood, sweat, and tears of lessons that we've learned, things that we've tried, things that have failed. I think looking back at our journey of starting the company, the biggest thing that we, we stumbled upon that worked really well was frankly content. So a lot of independent landlords are out there looking for tips and tricks and lessons and resources for how do they manage their units. And that's where we early on decided to invest really heavily in providing all of that content and those resources that those landlords out there are
0: searching for. And, I mean, content, I just believe you should be producing content for your business, start a podcast, YouTube channel, blog, whatever you got to do, put out content because you do get to answer people's questions and gain traction. It does take some time to gain traction through content, though, especially organically. It's definitely possible, but it does take quite some time. And I understand that when you left your job, now all of a sudden we're talking about 80 to 90 hours of extra free time a week, which is more than enough to pursue an entrepreneurial ambition. but it does certainly get a little different because the living expenses don't go away and you still have to pay stuff and you don't have the job. So what was that transition? Like, how did you make it through that phase?
1: Yeah. I mean, that, that was certainly a difficult time period. Um, I had been fortunate uh, and, and had intentionally, you know, saved up some, some extra money. I, I wasn't living, you know way over my means outside of the box and stuff and so for me personally i had stashed away enough in order to live on while we were starting the company um i think what's unique and and different for us though is when my co-founder and i said hey we're going to launch this business we said we're going to invest x dollars into the company we then said you know we could go out and hire an engineer we could go on to Upwork or or one of these platforms we could connect with a software engineer and build the product or what we could do ourselves is really invest our time into learning software development into creating all of that content so in a lot of ways we we almost took those funds that we had earmarked for building the business and we said look we're just gonna in in a, a circular way like pay ourselves a salary." During that period of starting the company, so rather than saying we're just going to hire a bunch of people, we we did the work, we we did everything ourselves from day one, from writing lines of code to creating content to um, putting out you know silly YouTube videos back in the day and stuff. So um, yeah, it's, it's just a lot of frankly hard
0: work, and that's what a lot of
1: entrepreneurs need to keep in mind.
0: And it's really interesting your angle because you decided, okay, we're going to save somebody. We're going to get this coder. But now you're like, you know what? I have 80 to 90 hours a week. Let's put some of that time into coding. And I don't know when the next stream of money is coming. So learn how to code and then it makes it easier for the money standpoint. At what point did you, hand off the coding and work to someone else or is that something you still do to this day i'd assume that you know as the company grows you could hand off more stuff but i'm wondering i I assume you handed that off to someone
1: yeah fortunately we now have about a 15 person software engineering team here in chicago in our office well pre-covid they were they were in our (laughs) office um but today everyone's working remote so we've got now fortunately we we've got a team of trained professionals um, i will say it took us longer to get to that point than we expected mm-hmm. so i was certainly writing code and even today still i'll surprise some of the some of the men and women on our team and i'll hop in there and i'll make some changes and do something and everyone looks around and they're like why why is ryan why is the co-founder like why what's he doing in the code base and stuff so It's always fun to get a kick out of when that happens.
0: Now, for people who don't know coding, it's, I mean, it depends on the language you're trying to do, but it's not the easiest thing to learn. I took a coding thing for a week and I got some stuff out of it. I definitely did more than I thought I'd be able to do, but I was like, man, this is hard. And I was doing very basic stuff. Like, you plug in two plus four and it automatically pops up six. I was doing that type of code (laughs) and to do like a whole website, to do a whole app that just takes so much more intensity. So I know a lot of people listening right now, maybe they have a job or they're doing something that just gives them the income that they need. And they want to do that thing on the side. They want to be a YouTuber. They want to be the best selling author. They want to be that type of person and make that their full-time thing. So, I'm wondering how did you start learning the code? Was this something you did while at your job or is this something you did when you got out and what was your learning process like?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think exactly what you described, Mark, like I, I encourage, I think everyone out there should have their, their side hustle side project. Like people should be pursuing different things that they're, you know, personally, intellectually curious about. Unfortunately, I didn't go that route. I had gotten to a point in my career, my young career in banking after about four years of those slave type hours Mm. and ultimately said, you know, enough's enough. Um, I've put in enough time, I've canceled enough vacations, like I've, I've done all of that. I'm gonna walk away from this and I'm going to try and build this company. I don't know exactly what it's going to take, but that's going to be step number one, is just assess what do I need to do to build the company. Um, I, in hindsight, really wish that had kept the job and had tried to pursue this on the side, but that's not what I did. Um, so for me, it was, it was leaving the job, taking that leap. Then I enrolled in a six-month Ruby on Rails bootcamp. I went through the bootcamp um, while doing that was spending countless hours with the Michael Hartle, Ruby on Rails tutorial books, built countless Twitter clones, did all of that hard work, um, and then eventually started saying, you know, I feel like I'm at, I'm at a, a level that I can start building towards this ultimate end goal.
0: And it's really fascinating to hear that. You have to have a long-term mentality in the education, in the self-education and in the implementation. I mean, Ryan right there just said six-month bootcamp. So it's not like you learn the stuff in a week and then you go for it. Like you do take action. You do learn along the way, but there is a long-term idea here. And if you don't have that long-term mentality, it's really hard to be an entrepreneur. Ryan was around entrepreneurship. So it was easier for him to have a long-term view, but from the stock market, like you know, you you logically know what you're supposed to do, but then the motions kick in and you do something that you shouldn't have done. And with that in mind, it's very similar to short-term versus long-term, the actions we could be doing for our success versus what's more appealing at the moment. So how did you keep that long-term focus and this is just to learn how to do the code and to create the idea to see if it will work. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think exactly like you described
1: where you really have to, as an entrepreneur, you've got to, I think the number one characteristic or attribute of good entrepreneurs is persistence. And it's the ability to keep trying something, getting knocked down, and then getting back up and, and never losing that enthusiasm. So I think along the entrepreneurial journey, whether for me it was that, that first phase of the journey, which was learning to code and self-education and, and really learning that, um, I mean, countless roadblocks and, and things along the way that didn't work out. Um, you've got to really be able to take that long-term view, see that light at the end of the tunnel and never give up and never stop, never lose that enthusiasm.
0: And the long-term view, it's not just for getting out of your job if that's what you want to do or doing the full-time side hustle, like turning your side hustle into full-time. It's also about just the growth. Like Ryan's long-term goals back then is probably to be where he is now, but right now he definitely has some long-term goals for his company to maybe reach a million uh, tenants and landlords, maybe 2 million, 3 million. And how do we continue to go for long-term growth? Because I feel like once you do long-term once and you stick with it, you keep going. How do you continue to do the long-term growth and not overextend or not sacrifice things that you didn't mean to sacrifice?
1: Yeah, I think that that's one of the biggest challenges also of entrepreneurship is the, the need to focus and the need to make those really tough decisions to prioritize things. And for me personally, that's been one of the biggest struggles along the way because you're right, there's all these shiny objects. There's all these like different paths that we could take the company or initiatives that we could go down. And it's really hard. And for me, I think what's been really helpful is to at the beginning of each year, really take a step back and say, what are my three main objectives for this year? What are three things that I want to accomplish this year? And really write those down, cement those and say, this is really what this year is about. And there's no magic to that year timeframe, but Really, every whether it's a year, a quarter, a month, a week, you've gotta really pick those top three things that you care about. And then any, don't let anything come up that gets in the way of those. You've gotta really use those three objectives as a mechanism and a reason to say no to other things. So it's really about maintaining that focus, that determination, that
0: prioritization breakthrough success list there's three main objectives and it's good to reverse engineer this too so it's that three main objectives for the year and you can either do this the end of this year we're in the middle of it or the end of the next 365 day stretch whatever you choose end of the year end of the quarter end of the month end of the week And if you do that, that's going to really set you on your path. Three main objectives. Ryan brought up such a valuable point there. He's been sprinkling so much value throughout the episode. And I think that you should definitely check him out and all the work that he's doing, especially since he's been sharing all this great stuff with us. So with that in mind, where do we go to keep following all the work you're doing? Yeah, Mark. So anyone
1: in the audience should head on over to our website. It's avail.co for... All of our information, all the resources and tools that we're building, it's avail.co, dot Co. They can also find us on all the social media at HelloAvail.
0: We will have all of those links in the show notes. Definitely make sure you check out Ryan and all the great stuff he's doing with Avail. Thank you so much for joining us on Breakthrough Success. It was a pleasure to have you here today.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Mark. It was a lot of fun.